The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Hope you had a good summer. Hope you enjoyed the lovely, uh, lovely hot weather. If you're able to get away, um, I hope it went well. If you've just got back, um, I hope you had a good time. And if you're about to go, because I know it's sort of a bit of a moving, uh, a moving conveyor belt of people away with all the different ages that are represented here. Um, I hope you have an absolutely uh, brilliant time. If you missed um, about three, four weeks ago when Jeremy Simpkins preached um, to us, please go on the website have a listen, uh, download. Um, uh, he's, he's a really good friend of us as a church. Um, he's apostolic. He leads a network of churches predominantly um, in the north of England and Africa and Canada. Um, and he brought a word to us that I feel has significance beyond the Sunday. It has significance for this season that we are in. And so if you've missed it, don't worry, but, but do listen. And if you were here and you're thinking, Hand on heart, I cannot remember for the life of me what he spoke about. Go online, have a listen again, and make sure you pray through it. Have, have a really good thing. Have a think about what God is saying to you and us as a church um, through it. And, and, and just to highlight as well, you know, we, we heard brilliantly from Natalie about the week of prayer coming up. You may never have been to a prayer meeting before, like, like all gathered together, or, and, and the thought of it is absolutely daunting. Why don't you this week think, no, I am going to find a way to get along. There's various times, there's various locations. You can even join us online. Friday morning is 7am in the morning, but you could join us online and blank the screen out and just join us for the prayer meeting then. But come along, because we are a church that prays. We believe that prayer changes things because our God is not dead, he is alive. And we get a privilege, not just individually, but corporately, of gathering together and praying. If, if you say that you believe in prayer, and you believe there's a power in corporate prayer, but never come along, well, I question whether you really do believe in the power of prayer. Because faith is seen not just in what we express with our mouths, but what we do and how we act. And, and it might be for very good reasons. You're afraid or you're concerned. Why don't you drag someone along with you? And you can sit at the back and you don't have to pray out loud. No one's going to put you on the spot, but just come along and capture a fresh passion to seek God and to go after him and to cry out for, to him for change in our nation and change in the church. Brilliant. Brilliant. We are, we are living in, in tricky days, aren't we? Even, even before this week with changes of prime ministers and, and the death of the Queen, um, it's, it's tricky. The cost of living crisis is difficult. I think all of us are affected in some way or other. I don't know if, if you can relate with this. I've noticed I go around turning off PowerPoint switches a lot more than I used to. I, I don't know, and, and, and I'm, I'm particularly aware of when the lights are on and I'm thinking, how dark does it need to get? You know, God, can you give me sort of night vision? And, and I say it's slightly tongue-in-cheek, but, but it is serious, isn't it? It's, 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 it's worrying. And as Christians, we are in the world, but we are not immune from it. We suffer along with our neighbours, our friends, our work colleagues, and the circumstances around us, if, if we're not 
careful. Well, to be honest, if you, if you watch the news or if you're reading social media, um, they naturally feed into feelings of fear and anxiety, don't they? Do you, do you, sort of, I, you know, I don't know about you, but before, what, even with the announcement from the government about a cap on fuel prices, you're sort of a bit worried about what is my fuel bill going to be come October? Can, can we afford to pay the bills? It can, it can lead into striving. What, what can I do to change? And, and, and obviously we've got responsibility within it, but, but it can force us into that. Or complaining and moaning. But we're called to walk a different way. We walk through the same circumstances. We can face the same suffering, but we are called to walk a different way. And back in April, as a leadership team, we started to talk and pray about this term and this academic year, and we were seeking God about what would it look like. And we started the, that particular meeting in, in prayer, as we often would do. And before we knew it, the whole, pretty much the whole hour had gone, and all we'd been doing is praying and prophesying. We, we, sent, we sent something of God saying, look, don't just get on and plan, but, but wait. Hear from me. Hear what I want to say to you. And over the coming months, we got this increasing sense that God wanted to speak into this season. He, he wants to help us as a church, as a community, as we navigate through the same things that all our neighbours, all our friends and our work colleagues are, he wants to help us to navigate through that effectively, knowing that we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is interested in what is going on. And the sense that we got that this is to be a season of Sabbath rest. In, in, in the Bible, there are, are three different Sabbaths. There's like a, a Sabbath day, but there's a Sabbath year, and there's a year of jubilee. And a Sabbath year is when the whole land was meant to be fallow. Nothing was to be planted. Nothing was to be ploughed up. Nothing was to be harvested. But you're to see what grew by itself. What did the land produce on its own? And we saw, pit, we saw a picture, or someone brought a picture during these meetings of, of this incredible field of grasses and flowers growing that wouldn't have sprouted up if, if the farmer had done the normal thing of ploughing the field. Um, look at my brilliant photography skills, eh? aren't they amazing? Amazing what you can do with an iPhone. But, but that sense of what does God want to do and a sense that God wanted to give us time and space for fresh nutrients to go into our lives to see what God wanted to do among us. This is what it says in Leviticus chapter 25 about the Sabbath year. If, um, if you've got your Bibles, turn with it. If you haven't, don't worry, the words will come up. Verse 1. The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land that I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards, and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields, do not prune your vineyards, do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. 
Whatever the land yields during that Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, for your male, your female servants, for the hired workers and the temporary resident who lives among you, as well as for the livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. I don't know about you, but if I was a farmer all those years ago, can you imagine when it got to that time of year where you're meant to be ploughing the fields and this is the Sabbath year and you know that God has instructed you to sit on your hands and do nothing. Can you imagine that? You're you're there through the months where, where, where the land should be broken up. A few weeks later, when you should be out sowing the seed, you're still sat there and you haven't ploughed the land, nor have you sowed the seed. As the months go by, you're going out into your fields and you're looking and you're thinking, oh God, please make something grow. Because this is serious, you know, Sainsbury's wasn't open then. You know, if your fields don't produce anything, you're in real trouble. And so this, this was a real step of faith for the people of Israel. They were saying, God, you are my provider. You are the one that I trust in in this season. And God, God did it in order to, one, give the land rest so that nutrients would be replenished in the soil. But it was also to give the Israelites rest that they might connect with God and they might come again before him. But it was also to communicate, do you know what? The Israelites weren't slaves anymore. They used, to, they used to work 24-7, 365 days a year for the Egyptians. They're not slaves anymore. They are free people, so they don't live to work anymore. So they have a Sabbath rest. And God built that into their calendar, that they would, act, they would have to be active in their faith in a very particular way, not just for a day, not just for a moment, but, but for a couple of years, really. They were reliant on what God would provide through the ground naturally. I don't know about you, but I don't like the idea of that. That makes me feel uncomfortable even thinking about it. But, but God, God wanted to do something in their hearts. He wanted to remind them that he was their God and that he would provide for them and that he was totally trustworthy, not just theoretically, not, not because God said so, in, 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 the, in, in, the, um, in the Torah, it wasn't because of that, it was because from practical experience, they could look back and say, do you know what, three years ago, we didn't plough the fields, we didn't plant any seed, we didn't harvest any crops, but God provided for me and my family and, 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 and the servants and the hired workers of my fields and, and he provided as well for foreigners in the area too, they came and ate from the fields too. Isn't that amazing it was a massive step of faith and I suppose prophetically we are sensing something of that for ourselves as a church in this season I don't think it's a year I think it's this term but I do believe it's a time where God wants us to refocus not so much on what we do but who we are and what is going on on the inside of us how, how are we doing? As we look to navigate through real difficult times, circumstances that would have felt very much like for the Israelites this year, this Sabbath year where there was less around and they didn't know how they were going to survive. God's interest, what's going on in our hearts? How, how do we respond with our mouths? 
Where, where do we look to? Who are we relying upon? I think in this season, God is saying, come, come to me. Look to me. Help me. Help me. No. Let me help you navigate through this season. Give time to allow my work to penetrate your heart afresh for you to be freshly enriched. And there are four particular nutrients, as it were, that I believe God wants us to refocus on in this season. And I'm just going to briefly highlight them to you now. And then over the course of this term, we are going to touch on them a number of occasions through what we do. When we gather on Sundays, um, when we meet midweek, when what we pray about next week, we will be praying into these various nutrients that God God wants to see re, as it were, reprovoked in us. We can see them up there. It's not not the clearest, but we can see faith, grace, thanksgiving, and forgiveness. And I just want to touch on them one at a time. Firstly, the grace of God. Lord God, actually, I just pray. Lord, I pray. Lord, we're going to look at things, I, I know, Father, that are so familiar to many of us. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd come and make them live. Particularly in this season and the things we are facing at this moment, we pray. Amen. The grace of God. We serve a holy God. He is a cut above anything. He is transcendent. He is just and he judges sin. And the only access point to a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ, his son, by grace. We don't deserve it. We cannot earn it. Our best efforts, the Bible says, are like filthy rags. We were born enemies of God. We are treasonous in all our behaviour. And if we are left to our best efforts, we would end up in hell. And that's where we would deserve to be before a holy and a righteous God. But in his mercy, he saves us by his grace, not because of anything good within us, but just because he said, you know what? I want to save you. And that is true for every single person here that knows Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace, but we are also empowered to live this Christian life by grace. It's it's both. We are saved but empowered for Christian living by the grace of God. It says in the Bible in Ephesians, it says, by grace you have been saved in Ephesians. And then in Romans it says this, how do we reign in life? The abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. If you and me are going to navigate through this next season well, we need an abundance of grace at work in our lives. If we're going to do it as God is calling us to, not just going with the flow of social media or the news that we hear, but swimming in a countercultural, godly, kingdom-exalting way, we need to be full of the grace of God. We do. We need grace in how we speak to one another. We need grace to overcome sin. We need grace as we serve one another. We need grace as we use grace gifts Uh, to bless one another, we need the grace of God. I mean, let me give you just one example in the area of money and generosity. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 and 2. And I think, certainly when I read these words, it resonated with me in a whole fresh way with what we're going through at the moment. 
Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So there is a grace. God, God, this is not saying that came from themselves. It's saying God did within them. And look at this, this atrocious um, uh, uh, equation that we see here. In the midst of severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in being really careful with money. No, in rich generosity. I mean, that, that's, you can't do that naturally. That doesn't naturally flow. When you look at things like severe trial and extreme poverty, what naturally comes up is not rich generosity. It doesn't go that way. But it does with the grace of God. It does as the grace of God is. And if you read Luke chapter 12, I was reading, this, it, reading it this week. I don't know what to do with it, really. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat and don't worry about what you're going to wear because life is more important than food and clothing and your father knows what you need before you ask for it. So first seek my kingdom and my righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you as well. And I'm thinking, God, that's quite provoking. And then he goes and makes it even more provoking. He says, do you know what? Actually, sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, what on earth do you do with that? But the truth is, when you look at Acts chapter 2 and you look at the New Testament church, that's what they did. Not everyone sold everything they had, but some people did. Some people sold land and fields and property and it was spread out. It was shared among, um, among the church. That's the grace of God at work in the local church, provoking ridiculous levels of generosity and giving that, that are totally mind-blowing. I don't know about you, but, but when you read the Bible like that and you put it into our context, you're thinking, wow, that's, that is different. As a church, you are incredibly generous. You are. You have been for years and years. You, you were last year. You have been through lockdown. Do you know what? I'd ask you to do, and I do not say this lightly, can you review your generosity? Take some time over the next week or two just to think and pray and bring your bank balance, your bank account to God and say, Lord, do you want me to make any changes? Truth is, as a church, we need some of you to give more than you are. We do. Just as your energy bills are going up, so, so are the churches. And we'd ask you to be, be generous in that way. But, but I know for some of you, you're going to look at it and you're going to think, no, we can't. Do you know what? That is absolutely fine. For some of you, actually, you can't, not only can you not give more, you need help. Um, back in June, we set up the Cost of Living Relief Fund. Um, if you are struggling financially to pay the bills, please, please, please come and talk to one of the pastors. Come and talk to your 242 leader, talk to your connect group leader. They can point you the right way. We want to help. Some of you may have spare to give extra away. Others of you may not even be able to pay the bills this week. Please do not sit there without, without saying something. Please let us know. But I believe that within our congregation, we have got all we need to do all the things God's calling us to do. We are called to walk a different way. 
Are you walking in the grace of God? Secondly, faith. When you read the Gospels, I don't know about you, I, I, I feel quite, um, anyway, it doesn't matter what I feel. Right, when you read the Gospels, Jesus is really interested in people's faith. He is. He commends people for great faith. He challenges them for little faith. And in some, point, some places, he even comes across just blatant unbelief. The Roman centurion, the woman with, the, with, with, with bleeding, the Greek woman who was looking for healing for her child, were all people commended for their great faith. None of them were what you would have called in the middle. None of them were disciples of Jesus. None of them were Israelites in, in, in that sense. Well, actually, no, one of them was, but none of them were on the, in, in the centre of what God was doing in many ways, yet they were. God commended them for their great faith. And you may feel you're right on the edge of what's going on right now. Do you know what? You can be a person of great faith. You can be a person of great faith. Do you know what? It was the disciples and Peter who were challenged for their little faith. Often they were challenged. So if you're sitting there thinking, that's all right, I'm sorted. I I know I've got it together. Be careful. Be careful. And Nazareth, Nazareth, his hometown, Well, they were challenged just for their blatant unbelief. So if anyone should have known who Jesus was and what he was doing, they were the ones who put the barriers up and said, no, we can't believe in him. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. That's challenging. It says it in the Bible. Am I living by faith? Are you living by faith? Are you trusting your father and his faithfulness? And it is so easy as Christians to go through the motions. The longer you've been a Christian, I think the easier it is to go through the motions of Christian life. You attend the right meetings, you do the right things, but is there an active, living faith grabbing hold of God? Come on, God. Truth is, in these circumstances... There is a greater call on our faith, a greater call on us trusting God than when things are easy. Isn't that true? It's often in times of difficulty and hardship where we really need to know where God is at. We really need to reach out and grab hold of him. When things are easy, we sort of just sail along. But when things are tough, and this this is a time, I think, where God wants to strengthen and grow our faith. Trusting today into God's hands, not worrying about tomorrow. We need to be those that pursue faith, take responsibility that it will grow in our lives. I I cannot make, as a pastor, I cannot make faith grow inside of you. But you can nurture and feed your faith. That is something that you are responsible to do. Whether it's in finance and provision, whether it's for salvation, someone you care about, whether it's personal holiness, whether it's about your job security, whether it's about growing in gifts of the Spirit, active faith unlocks the promises of God, unlocks the work of God in our lives. And faith comes from hearing the Word of God. That's why, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes when I'm singing these songs... My faith grows within me because I'm remembering who God is and what he has promised. That's why morning by morning, not every morning, but most mornings, I will spend time with God. I will spend time in his word and I will spend time in prayer. Why? Not because I have to, but it grows my faith because faith comes from hearing the word of God. And as the Holy Spirit takes the Bible and makes it live to me, I grow in my faith. And frequently... 
the things God has spoken to me about during the morning, I need during the day. I do. I, I use them during the day. Let's be aware of the dangers of just trying harder. That's my natural default. When things go wrong, I often don't look to Jesus. I just try a bit harder. I, 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 I try for longer. I get more wound up. If you see me with a DIY project that isn't going very well, I go through various shades of red and, and my family knows to keep further and further away from me. You know, from close proximity at the beginning to long proximity, let's go out the house. Until after severe amounts of effort or phone calls to friends who come and help me and sort it out. We can try harder. That, that, that can be, or cynicism. If you've been around for a while, it's so easy to fall into cynicism. Not faith. I've been there before, I've seen it before. Oh, it doesn't really, doesn't really work. Be, be careful of that. Or fear and anxiety. The circumstances that we are going through, the natural response is fear and anxiety. Where do we look? We look to our provider. We look to our Father in heaven who promises to look after us. Are you walking in faith? Have you an active, growing faith? We don't get it right all the time. I certainly don't. But is it affecting your everyday, normal life? Forgiveness. One of the hallmarks of a Christian is that we are a forgiving people. And the reason for that is because we have been forgiven a massive debt. We are forgiven a debt that we cannot pay back ourselves. We just cannot do it. But because we've been forgiven much and we realise we've been forgiven much, it doesn't make it easy, but it does make it possible to forgive others. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus isn't talking here about your salvation, but he is saying that unforgiveness is a serious issue. And it interrupts your walk with God. Your ongoing relationship with your Father in heaven is massively disrupted if you are carrying bitterness or unforgiveness towards other people. It needs to be dealt with. However painful it is to face it, however awful it is to look at it again and consider it, you need to because it is hurting you and it is causing difficulty for you, and it is affecting your walk with Jesus. What gives Satan the greatest opportunity in a Christian's life? It's not the occult, it's not sexual sin, it's not being willing to forgive. That opens a door for him to get in and affect us. Learning to properly forgive people is essential for a fruitful Christian life. Forgiving isn't forgetting. 
Forgiving is not tolerating sin. Forgiving is not seeking revenge. Forgiving is a decision, however hard that is. And please don't wait until you feel like you're emotion, emotionally ready because you probably will never get there. It is a decision in spite of your emotions and you forgive to stop the pain on the inside of you to get free from that pain. The only way out of it is in forgiveness. To forgive from the heart, to engage with the pain that that person has caused you and to let it go. You might think, why on earth, Paul, is this one of the nutrients that is important that we work with through this season? Well, one, because I believe it can interrupt the work of God in your life and God wants you to do a lot of work. He has a lot for you to do in this season. But secondly, and this is personal experience, when I'm struggling, when I'm under pressure, when I'm unhappy, unforgiveness and bitterness are much more likely to take root. And I think, to be quite honest, we're just going to, we're in a hard season and that's going to continue. And I think there is more space for unforgiveness to take root in our lives. We need to be radical in dealing with it. Are you going to walk this path of forgiveness? Are you going to forgive from the heart? Or are you going to carry unforgiveness over this coming season? Please don't. Now, I know this is a massive thing and it will have stirred up among you, well, the reality is all of us to some degree carry unforgiveness. Do you know what I mean? We're always having to deal with it because we live in community together. But for some of you, it really has stirred up some stuff. If it has, please get in contact um, either with Paul or Sam or your 242 leader and we would, we would look to help you through um, and talk through this in more detail. Lastly, Thanksgiving. You may even think, what on earth is Thanksgiving up there for? That's, that's not that important, is it? But Thanksgiving is incredibly powerful. It fights bitterness, moaning, ungratefulness. It keeps our hearts open to God. It provides a seedbed for faith to grow. And it creates a platform that we can rejoice in God. It's like an antiseptic to so many ills of life. If you, your mouth is full of Thanksgiving, it's not full of something else. And we know, don't we, from the Bible that controlling what we say is, is a challenge for everyone. So fill your mouth with thanksgiving. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. So we thank God for his goodness, his kindness, his generosity in the everyday, but we also thank him for Jesus and salvation. In this season of less and need and of difficult circumstances, what message would it send to a struggling world if our mouths are full of thanksgiving? If what comes out of us is a thankful heart expressed in what we say rather than moaning and complaining. It's such a simple thing, but it is incredibly powerful when it becomes a habit in our lives. So just as I finish... I believe God has spoken to us about this season. And it's not about what we do, but it's about what's going on on the inside. What nutrients 
are there in, inside of our lives? Are you empowered by the grace of God to live this life? Well, if you're a Christian, you are. But I think you can call on the grace of God in difficult circumstances with more energy and more faith. Are you growing in your faith? Is your faith active in your everyday? 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning, as much as 10.30 on Sunday morning. Where are you up to when it comes to forgiveness? And often it's the people that are closest to us that are the hardest to forgive. Where are you at in creating a habit of thanksgiving? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I believe this is an opportunity for harvest. I believe this is an opportunity for us to shine in in dark circumstances as we know the power of God's grace in our lives, as we step out in faith, as we're quick to forgive, as we overflow with thanksgiving. Over these coming weeks, different people are going to be preaching into it. We are going to be praying into it. Our midweek church life will be practically applying it into our lives. I suppose all I want to do right now, we're going to take bread and wine in a minute and Paul and Ros are going to lead us in it, but just for a moment, which of those four nutrients has the Holy Spirit highlighted to you? <laughs> Thank you, Doreen. What is it? Where is it that he is focused? Where is it he's focusing his attention in your heart? Faith, grace, thanksgiving, forgiveness. I'll just give you a few moments just to think about that. If I can invite the band back up, that'd be brilliant. Why don't we stand? Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your word that brings light to us. It, it, it reveals your purposes. It, it provokes, it stirs. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that your word will soothe wounds, Lord God, that we have picked up over, over the months and years, whether they're self-inflicted or whether others have done them to us. I pray for your grace to come afresh upon us. I pray you'd stir seedlings of faith again within our hearts. Lord, I pray you'd remind us of things where you have provided and you have been faithful. Lord God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just provoke, speak to us and stir us over these next few moments, I pray. Amen.